0: Welcome back to Agency Nation Radio. My name is Ryan Hanley, and I'm joined by Marty Agather, my co-host here. And uh, we recently just spent a couple days together at the trustedchoice.com leadership retreat in Milwaukee, and we've returned to our our homes. I'm I'm in Albany. Marty, you're back in Minneapolis. What's going on, man?
1: It is a uh, fantastically beautiful day here. I am jacked out of my mind because... Uh, tomorrow and uh, the next day I'm taking two days off to go do one of my favorite things which is to uh, grown men playing with uh, their radio controlled toys so I'm jacked up about that I'm really jacked up that I had a chance to yell at Ryan bellicosely one evening in the last couple of days but mostly I'm looking out my window and you know what I'm looking at there's a huge mural of uh one of the legends in American music, Bob Dylan, that I look at every day from my window. And uh, Sunday night, I had a chance to see Bob Dylan in concert as the uh, intro event to our leadership meeting. So I was pretty jacked up about that too.
0: Yeah, well, so the interesting part about that is it's there's a very random yet like what is it probably three story mural of Bob Dylan, very cool mural, really. Um, that that the TrustedChoice.com headquarters looks at in Minneapolis and. I don't know why it's there. I don't know what its purpose is. But uh, it is very, very cool. And then, you know, you, we didn't plan it. I wasn't even there. You just randomly walked into Summerfest in Milwaukee, which is like one of the largest music festivals in the country, and happened to snag a pair of tickets from the hotel for to see Dylan and then Willie Nelson.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a uh, it was a totally random happening, but uh it couldn't have worked out better. So
0: Yeah. I love when I'm like on the right before the second leg of like a seven hour you know, I live in Albany, I could drive to Milwaukee in seven hours, yet my airplane takes me all the way down to Atlanta, then all the way from Atlanta back up to Milwaukee. It's like insane. So uh you're looking at Dylan eating brats and having a beer and I'm stuck in the airport system head through a window.
1: Welcome um, to ATL. Yeah.
0: yeah so <laughs> so so anybody who thinks the travel life is glamorous, you are wrong. Um, okay. So th- none of this is is why we're we're here today. Um, if it sounds like I'm a little more docile than normal, the reason for that is uh, I am actually uh, not working today officially. Uh, I have two sick children that are sleeping. It's it's nap time in the Hanley household, and Dad had to stay home from work to to watch the kids. So. So I am actually holed up in the bedroom with the doors closed, like as far away from the kids as I can be doing the podcast. Um, Isabella's on the bed. I'm, I'm sitting on my bed. That'd be a, your
1: dog. What kind yeah, of dog
0: again? Uh, Wheaton Terrier. So Wheaton Terrier. So this is, this is our commitment to you guys. We, uh, we get this thing done. So, so we, we do have a reason for doing the show today. It isn't just to, to, uh, to, to meander through the happenings of the last few days of our lives. Um, we are actually getting close to, uh, if it hasn't already happened, uh, the four year anniversary of McKinsey's very controversial, controversial agents of the future report, which basically is known as death of the local independent insurance agent. That's, that's how we all kind of referred to it where they put together about a, this is, let's see how many pages this is about 20 pages, I guess. Uh, yeah. A little over 20 page report that, um, basically explained why uh, us independent agents were all in big, big trouble. And uh, I remember when this first came out, Bob Ruspold, the uh, chairman and, and CEO of, uh, of the Independent Insurance Agents and Brokers of America, uh, actually, I think he went on television. He certainly did quite a few interviews, basically refuting uh, much of much of what was in this report. And what I thought was interesting was, you know, here we are four years later, and I don't know why, but somehow, you know, this PDF, I found it in, you know, a saved file somewhere, and uh, I said, you know, it, it would be pretty cool to kind of leaf through this thing again and dissect kind of, you know, did they get anything right, did they get anything wrong, and and, and what what parts of uh, the things that they've, you know, that they predicted uh, maybe just just haven't had a chance to play all the way out yet, so... Uh, So there's a little meat to this thing in terms of you know this is four years ago that this was written, and uh, and obviously most of us are most of us are still here. So uh, so let's let's dive into this, Marty. I know you did some highlighter work, so um, I wanted to let you kind of kick things off.
1: Sure. So um, yeah, this this did create a firestorm. There's no question about it. Um, You know, a lot of uh, it, it gave reason for a lot of. Uh, the independent channel to, you know, stand up and beat their chests and scream, uh, you know, uh, we've survived the challenge before. This doesn't change anything. We still offer value. All the stuff, you know, that, that we reinforce here week in and week out on Agency Nation Radio. Um, the interesting thing, though, for me was... Um, I kind of got caught up in the hype too initially, right? And uh, and and I sort of believed the um, the the uh, Cliff's Notes version of the report. Well, I had an opportunity to attend a state a state convention where one of the McKinsey consultants that was the lead author um, on the report actually debated Bob Rustbolt on the topic, right? And so he came with a completely different perspective that sort of had never been, uh, certainly didn't get as much hue and cry as this message that you know independent agents are going to die a, 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 a gruesome death, and and it was it, it the message of the paper was less that independent agents have no value and therefore will cease to exist. What it what it was was a very. Um, reserved and um calculated look at the at the changes that were taking place in the industry um looking at a number of the critical revenue components of the typical independent agency how the roles and responsibilities of agents and carriers were changing over time and sort of consumer behavior and how that all rolled up and and indicated changes that both agencies and carriers needed to take in order to sort of be one of the survivors going forward. Now, the interesting thing is, you know, four years ago, the word disruption still existed in the language, but it certainly wasn't on the tip of everybody's tongue the way it is today, right? And there was no wide-eyed talk, or, or there was much uh, less wide-eyed talk about those new disruptor players that are in the industry. Um, but... When we but when we now fast forward four years uh, he, four years after the article now all of a sudden the landscape has changed dramatically and some of the things for reasons that weren't even necessarily you know highlighted in any in, in any super meaningful way have begun to exert their force. As I thought about this, I was, I was reminded of um, a quote and uh, I had uh, misplaced it in my head, Steve Jobs. It actually was uh, another guy that some people might think is bright Bill Gates. And I wanted to sort of kick this whole talk off because this has been on my mind a lot lately uh, just with this whole disruption thing. So the quote is, we always overestimate the change that will occur in the next two years and underestimate the change that will occur in the next 10. Don't let yourself be lulled into inaction. Ryan.
0: So, I, so one, I, I love that quote. I, I think it's it's so incredibly true. And I think about, you know, I, I, I was thinking about um, during our, our leadership meeting that we had the last two days of this week uh, was... It, you know we're we're doing a lot of you know where are we now what got us to where we are and how do we how do we continue to position our business uh, for the future and and provide value and all those kind of things and in those moments it's it's hard to tough, to to not think back you know here we are sitting in uh, you know the ecosystem of the current day uh, trying to predict to a certain extent uh, as much as you can what the ecosystem may look like in the future uh, and it's hard not to think back to you know, when this whole insurance industry career started for myself, which was basically a decade ago now, and how on any, you know, when, that, when you think of that quote and, and you said you wanted to use it in the show today, you know, I just thought to myself, on any given year, year to year, the changes felt so small. But when I look at the way I did business when I first joined the Murray Group Insurance Services 10 years ago... And the way that I would do business if I was still selling insurance today, and 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 look at agencies doing it, especially agencies that are positioning themselves for the next ten to twenty years, uh, to be in the marketplace, it's so different. It's just so different. And the things that they're concerned about weren't even, I mean, they weren't even they weren't even things that existed ten years ago. And now they're major concerns. Um, you know, disintermediation. So you know, one of the things I, I thought would be interesting is. Uh, when I reread this for the first, you know, for the first time in, in a few years, um, the first, they started off by saying, you know, there, there are a new set of economic realities that have the potential to alter the distribution landscape in personalized and small commercial within five to ten years. So this is, they're, they're in year four, and they're predicting that these things would be major impacts in five to ten years. So there's uh, five of them, so I'm just going to read them for everybody. So most personal lines and small commercial lines customers will interact with their agents and carriers across the full range of channels, in person, through mobile devices, by phone, internet, video conference. I think we can say today that's 100% true, right? You could add text message, uh, you could add regular regular mail, you know, snail mail in there. Um, The full range of spectrums, the full range of social media platforms. Uh, we're doing a lot of experimentation with live chat on TrustedChoice.com, and with and having some really interesting results. I won't say that um, live chat has improved. The, like we haven't we haven't implemented it in a way that has a measurable difference today. But the 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 things that we're learning, places where we have um, obstacles in our business that 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 help us prioritize, you know, where our user experience is 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 off. Uh, I mean, we're learning them almost instantaneously through live chat. So live chat's a really interesting. Way. Facebook Messenger, um, using uh, tools like Snapchat or Instagram. If you're really going that that end, and then and just being having inside your agency, you know, you no longer can't ask for email anymore, right? I mean, how many agencies even five years ago still didn't collect emails? They only had them if the customer gave them to them. They, they didn't. It wasn't mandatory. I mean, today it's essentially a mandatory piece of information. It's like having their name and address and phone numbers to email. I mean, it's the same exact thing. So I think that is, has already, true. Uh, the next one was, carriers will continue to use technology to increase their direct interaction with the primary customer, delivering more consistent service at a lower cost. I'm going to put a pin in that one for Marty. I want to come back to that one. Um, Agents will be compensated only for the unique value they deliver to the customer and carrier. I'm gonna put a pin in that one too. So those are the two that I want to come back to because I think there's, I think that's there's some really interesting points to talk about there. But then uh, carrier agent management models for both IA will focus resources on agents that deliver profitability. I think we're already starting to see that for sure. Um, I know from the and, and Marty, you can probably reiterate the same thing from the countless conversations I have with carrier. You know whether it's agency development side, the marketing side, or the the executive suite inside of both you know, single state, regional, super regional, all the way up to national carriers, they are starting to segment um, some openly, some not yet. Uh, so they're starting to segment their agents and allocate resources um, in a very meritocracy based way. I don't know if that's how you'd say that, you know, but a merit-based way, right? You, if, you, if you're delivering profitable business to that carrier, they're gonna reinvest in you. If you're not, it's gonna be hard for them to want to give you money. And uh, I think that's already happening. I think that's that's a that's a natural. Um, I think that's natural, but but it's definitely happening. And uh, and then the last one is winning agents deliver tailored and relevant expertise and excel at multi-channel marketing while increasing their scale and operational efficiency. So this one again, this is already happening. The agents that are winning today are looking at the marketplace and they're thinking customer experience, not customer service right? They're thinking, how does my customer want to be served? Not how do I want to serve my customer? And, uh, that's already happening. So Marty, those are the five big points that they made that that made everyone go crazy. Um, you know, I I want to come back to those two, but what what are your comments just on those?
1: Yeah. So, so, so the, your most recent comment about, um, tailored and relevant expertise and multi-channel marketing, I don't want to I don't want to flog a dead horse here, but uh, that's what we heard in spades at Elevate. Yeah. The presenters that we had were, the reason people want to pack the room, standing room only, was because those people, the people that are doing that are revolutionizing our business. Right? That's yeah. Those are the people that are the future of this business. They're not going to be roadkill. So, so, so that's that, right? Um, I, putting, putting resources where they belong and sort of, and and one of the deeper, one of the deeper uh, sort of commentaries in this paper is all about the changing roles and responsibilities Um, in the marketplace, with the rise of big data, with the ability for fully automated underwriting systems at the back end, right? I mean, literally, carriers have probably block by block, almost house by house data. Heck, we know from the experimentation that we're doing that we can track household income by house, you know, for some of the marketing stuff we're doing. So you, you're crazy if you don't think the insurance companies can access it. Now, whether or not they are or not, I'm sure there are very innovative innovative insurance companies out there that are beginning to. So literally, they know they want to write the account before probably you even send uh, the application in. So how does that change, right? So one of the things they talk about is the, the um, importance of the agent in that risk selection and underwriting process decreases. The flip side is, Whereas the agent used to be the only marketing force, they were the primary way that the carrier got their brand into the marketplace, we know that that has changed. And and I'm gonna take you to a fact. It's not in this report. It came from the guy that wrote this report. It was delivered at that um, debate between Bob Russell and uh, the the, the author of the report. He had a graph on the screen that was talking about aided and unaided recall. And without getting into the the really, you know, the, the details, aided recall is, I say, the name of a product, and you go, oh yeah, I've heard about that before, right? Unaided recall is, tell me the name of a brand of vegetables. All right. So, you can say Green Giant. Perfect. That's unaided recall. All right. Um, In insurance, to get aided recall, where somebody says, have you ever heard of the Hartford? And the, the response is, Yes, I have. I wouldn't have been able to tell you their na- that they wrote insurance. But now that you say that the Hartford that writes insurance, yeah, I know who they are. That's $425 million, I think. $400, $400 million a year in marketing spend. If you want unaided recall, unaided recall, 15 minutes saves you 15% is which insurance company? Oh, yeah, that's Geico. They can tell you the name because they've heard the message so many times. That is 800 million. As a channel, we the independent channel only spend 400 million amongst all of us. So that's the Hartford talking about the Hartford and your agency talking about your agency and my agency talking about my agency. And that has zero connection. So we are literally not getting our message out. The challenge that that creates is because of the new, the rise of new shopping behaviors, the consumers are online first doing their research. And guess what? If we aren't in the research set, it makes it much harder for the consumer to buy us, right? So what this report says is that as carriers evaluate these changing roles and responsibilities, they have to begin to think about how they allocate their existing cash flow, where the money's going. And who gets compensated for what? So that puts pressure on agency operations. Um, One of the big things that these guys point at that is a huge threat is the fact that 70% of the personal lines market is made up of auto insurance. And so they dove deep on... um, sort of the 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 pressures on auto insurance and and i can already uh i can already hear our our good our good friend uh bill wilson uh you know sending us uh sending us uh well-deserved rant but they four years ago predicted the ongoing commoditization of auto insurance and while we all know that that's not the case for most consumers, it is. It just, that's reality, right? Okay. One of the most amazing things about this report is this report doesn't even begin to address the potential loss of market, uh, of premium dollars due to implementation of fully automated self-driving cars. That's not even part of this report. But what we have seen in the last couple of years is this is suddenly a huge thing where people go, my gosh, if the number of accidents and the severity goes down, what does that mean? The rates have to go down, right? And I believe that as uh, self-driving cars become more prevalent, it decreases the number of units on the road because, heck, I don't need two cars at home anymore that sit around for 90 per- The stats are your car sits in your garage or parked somewhere else 90% of the time you own it. Why the heck wouldn't I have one car that I drive myself to work on and I send it home and my wife can use it for the rest of the day? She drives herself to work, I need to go out for a lunch date, I hit the the button, the car drives to my office, I get in, I drive wherever the heck I want to go. Send it back, right? So now you're reducing number of units. So this huge, and and let's not even talk about, well, we have to talk about all the new competitors that are out there, right? So as the pool of premium dollars shrinks and independent agents get less of that, that impacts their operating income. It impacts huge profit lines for, or or loss lines, if you're State Farm last year, right? Five or six billion in losses in their auto business. But anyway, Uh, huge profit lines for insurance companies so maybe that begins to um have some uh some impact on availability of ia channel carriers to to agencies because they the carrier decides that they're no longer in the the personal auto business and guess what you don't have enough volume on your commercial line side right Cause you're certainly not going to put monoline home with them cause then you can't get an umbrella. So all of a sudden now, what does that mean to, to carry a representation in an agency? You know, I think,
0: um, you know, one of the things that, and, and, I think you're, you're right about, you know, pretty much everything you said it, uh, there's, there's a lot that's coming into this. Um, you can't, I think one of the things that they definitely got right that. That we may not see completely today, though we're starting to see signs of it, is independent. It's bullet number two, you know, independent agents, uh, independent agent carriers starting to at least market directly, even if they don't write the business directly, even if they're marketing the brand to to promote the uh, the consumer recognition once they're inside the agency. But you know, when when the when the independent agency channel. Um, you know, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, and, and into its past, even even ten years ago, there was no method for scaling out over the local communities that the carrier wanted to write business. There was no marketing method to do that. It was direct mail, maybe it was TV, but TV certainly didn't have the ability to really dive into the local markets. I mean, maybe if you were like on the local ABC affiliate, but you know, mostly there, there, you couldn't dive into the markets directly. Um and certainly not with a tailored message and, and anything that was scalable and digital has just blown that out of the water. I mean digital has just has made it so easy for a carrier and inexpensive and like you said, I mean, I sometimes fantasize <clears throat> maybe fantasize is the wrong word, but you know, what I would do with a with a major uh national carrier budget and the data you could pull in and like you said, I mean, think about it. If I were sitting in one of these, these major national shops on the IA side, I would literally know the household that I wanted to write, like you said. I'd literally say, I want 63 uh, Main Street in, you know, wherever, Latham, New York. I want that house. That's a great house for us. I can see their home data. I can see all their income data. I can see they have a couple kids. I can see they have a couple cars. I know they make $500,000. Uh, there's a high probability that they're with uh, you know, State Farm for their auto insurance currently. they. Back, I mean, this is all the information that you can find on the internet. You can basically know exactly who they are and say, here, you can hand your independent agent uh, a marketing plan that says... We want we want the home auto umbrella we're going to give you preferred pricing on this count as long as all the information we have verifies and checks out and upsell the life insurance because we know there's a huge life insurance thing there and there's a decent chance they own a a second home up in up in Lake George so let's get that that's a great account for you independent agent go get it right and you can and, this is and
1: more importantly here's the price yeah, here well, go, go don't go don't go don't go ask him any questions yeah go get it here here it is we're gonna we're pricing the living daylights out of this because we want it go so all and if you're not gonna go I'm sending it to the agent down the street which talks about agency selection right
0: yeah yeah so the idea you know so the idea is that all the information is there and um and I think that they even didn't go far enough with with how third party, Data from these data collection sources, these big data sources, what you can actually do with it, and the amount of underwriting, and like you said, um, you know, walking into what you know, walking into an account before you even ask them a question, and saying, you know, I I'm right now I'm verified to you know, uh, you know, uh, as long as you the data that I have is is close to what we thought it would be, right? Your credit score is over seven hundred. You don't actually have three DWIs, though you would most likely already know that. And, um, you know, a you know, couple things. You know, you don't have four teenagers living in your home that you've, uh, you know. And 12 <laughs> pit bulls. Yeah, and 12 pit bulls. You know, so you do some, some quick front-line rendering, and here's the price we can, I mean, think about the user experience from the consumer side. They were, they were hand-selected. I mean, this is, this is how far some of this data goes. Now, for the local independent agent, can you go out there and get access to this? The truth is, sure you can. Now, the cost—if you're—if you are truly local, the cost is most likely um, prohibitive versus what you would want to do individually. But um, you know, hey, say if I was even part of a cluster, like like um, like uh, Keystone or something like that, um, or let's say I uh, held myself to a higher set of standards and was a was a trusted choice, Advantage Insurance agent. You know, I mean, these are the kind of things that we were talking about this week is, is how do we provide our, our clients, um, our customers, the, the, the trusted choice agents who, who support um, what we're trying to do? How do we provide them with a data set that allows them to be the most successful when they hit that market? And, and sure, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, you look at, if you were to take a snapshot of a product today, are, are we there? Absolutely not. But um, to be honest with you, uh, a year from now, uh, our products are going to be completely different. I mean, in terms of the, the, the value delivery, and, um, and it's just really, really exciting. So, so when I look at bullet point number two, uh, and, and again, this, this report, you'll be able to download this. This is episode number 85. If you go to agencynation.com forward slash podcast and look for episode 85, um, most likely it'll have the, the word McKinsey in the title. Uh, look for episode eighty five. this this will be there.
1: Can- as long as they don't sick their lawyers on us or something. Yeah, no, they won't. I mean, to be honest with yeah. you, I, I no, they gotta love it. I mean, this is this is this is gonna be good stuff. I mean, th- the amazing thing is that I think I think, you know, like I said, the firestorm was over the way the dire sort of news was extracted from the factual sort of basis for the opinion. Well there was two uh, things. If I
0: remember this correctly there are two things. One this article also uses travel agents as a case study for what is going to happen in independent agents. And I as much as I try to be when it comes to, I think, if we're not pragmatists as much as we can be, we're not doing a service to you, the listeners of the show, the readers of Agency Nation, the people that come to Elevate, etc. You know what I mean? I think that if we just drink the Kool-Aid, um, then we're not doing right by you. Uh, so, but it, even this, I don't, I, the travel agent thing to me, uh, I think it will is a close example, but I don't, or you know, there are there is there is merit to it at thirty thousand feet, but as soon as you start to dive down deeper, I, I think that 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 falls apart, and I think that was a big part of Bob's response is that you, you can't say what happened to travel agents is just going to happen to us just because we're both, you know, agents of uh, you know intermediaries in, in the process. Like that's that's outrageous.
1: So and, yeah, I I was all I I you know because disruption is such a big thing, and I'm. Putting a, a, a slide deck together on disruption that I'll probably give at some point in the future. Um, right now, I I was I've been looking at some current stuff, and um, unfortunately, uh, I have my phone here uh, ringing, and so I had to hang up. But uh, th- somebody else. Used the travel agent um, example, but they had a very interesting take, which isn't brought out in this report. And that was the biggest difference between the travel agent model and the IA model. Both small businesses, local catering to services to walk-in traffic, um, and uh, the the issue that the issue there is that um, agents have. Ongoing renewal books, whereas the travel agent didn't. So that created that created the problem, right? They as as their daily traffic dried up, their revenues fell off a cliff. That doesn't necessarily mean the same thing in the IA space.
0: Well, you know the big the big point that you're making there too is that people need insurance on a yearly basis so if 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 insurance was a this is why so many people why why life insurance is being disintermediated so hard right because for for in many cases life insurance is a one and done purchase right whether you I mean you can i'm not gonna i'm not trying to uh uh, argue the benefits of looking at your life insurance and increasing and adjusting as you go. I mean, that, that's not the point. The point is for many consumers, especially if, if, if all you can afford or all you're interested in is term life, it's a one purchase and that's your life insurance purchase for your life, right? 30 year term, however much you can afford. And that's basically all you're going to do. Well, with travel, it's very similar for the most part, um, especially for non-corporate travel, right? So for, uh, travel agents, uh, still exist, um, They are not completely gone. And there are many travel agents that do incredibly well. And the ones that do are the ones that have built relationships with corporate entities who travel on a consistent basis and essentially create a a renewal relationship, which is what we have, right? So every year um, your needs are adjusting, your family's increasing, your family's decreasing, your business is growing, your business is changing, you're taking on new entities, you're taking on new risks, you're removing risk from your business. And every one of those stages and every one of those steps... It really takes a human being to analyze that. Now, where we have done ourselves a disservice is when agents say the customer who doesn't call us is our best customer, right? Because those are the clients who may at one time have felt that we held an incredible amount of value in the process, but haven't talked to you in five years. And we've just said, you know, the world changes quite a bit in a short amount of time. And if you haven't talked to a client in five years and you consider them one of your best clients because it's it's uh, three cars, a home, uh, a boat, an umbrella policy, and a and a second home up in up in the mountains, but they never call you every year, well, that's not your best account. That's one of your most at risk accounts, and it's it's so it's it's the third bullet point that, that I really think is is going to be the make or break for us. The third bullet point in this was. Agents will be compensated only for the unique value they deliver to the customer and the carrier. So think about that for a second. If you're a carrier and you're seeing that an agency has adequate first-year sales figures for you, but that their retention level is lower than your average or in the bottom 20% of, of your book, or you're starting to see higher um, higher losses and retention from that agency, all of a sudden they've hit a certain point in their career and no longer want to put in the work for retention. Well, is the agent providing a unique value to the carrier and the customer at that point? And look, I am in no way advocating for commission structure changes, but I do think, again, if we're being pragmatic and we're walking into this eyes wide open and you're not just thinking of carriers as these businesses who owe you something, but ultimately our businesses themselves who have to look at their own profit and loss margin it would only make sense that they would start to evaluate those things. Now the flip side, Marty, is also true, okay? So I also believe that there are opportunities and are going to be opportunities in the future for agents to to be even larger parts of the carriers that they support and and extract more value from those carriers where they have found ways to be unique value providers to the customer and the carrier. So where everyone plays on an equal playing field today for the most part from a compensation perspective, I think we're already starting to see some models where that is where that is starting to adjust where the more the more productive agents are seeing are seeing increases in compensation if, if that's the sole measure of of this, and agents that aren't performing are starting to see decreases and, and it's a it's a scary yet uh, yeah very real possibility for the future of our industry
1: you know Ryan, as usual, you and I have managed to um, Wax poetic, <laughs> and I am at a hard stop.
0: That's right. So I what I
1: would so what I would like to suggest because we haven't even gotten into the real meat of this thing, which is where they actually offer prescriptions on what yeah. independent agents can do to um, to mitigate these effects and to continue to, to, to have relevance. Right. So I think we need to do that in uh, episode number 60. What? No. So
0: don't. We're 85. Now. Marty doesn't even know what <laughs> That's okay, Marty. It's not your job to know what episode. Um, so we, this is episode 85. So we'll put a pin in it here. I think what I would like to leave everyone with is this question. Think about this question because this is the question I want to start. Uh, actually, I interviewed Bill Wilson. His episode is coming out next. That'll be episode 86. And then we'll, we'll do the second half of this episode will be episode 87. So that'll come out next week. Um, this is the question I want to leave you guys with, and this is what I had hoped we'd get to today and, and, but this will give us plenty of time next time. So in this report, they talk about local agents and for so long, our value proposition for the most part has been local. And what I would like people to start thinking about is local still the right terminology or is it that we want to be the right agent? We want to be the right agent, not your local agent. We want to be the right agent. Local may just is a part, of potentially a part of being the right agent for you. It's something we discussed a lot the last two days um, at our leadership team meeting. And it's something I really think you guys would think about. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up in the in the comments here uh, of the of the episode. Again, agencynation.com forward slash podcast. Look for episode 85. But but what does Is local still the primary thing in which we should be pushing our businesses or is it that we be the right agent for a certain segment of which local may be an important factor? I'm not trying to diminish local. It just feels to me as we move forward that, that being local agents may no longer be the value proposition that drives us forward. Uh, at least not the primary or sole value proposition. It may be just a piece of a larger value proposition. And, and how do we talk about that? So, uh, so we'll leave you guys with that, uh, Marty. I know you got something to do. So let's get out of here. It's been a pleasure as always, brother.
1: Later.